Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi there, here we are again. Listeners, uh, this is Richard, and I'll bet you Linda's on the other line. I hope you are, honey. I am, and I'm at a different location, but hopefully uh, we won't have too much delay today, and we're excited to talk to you today about something very fun that we're doing. Yeah, in fact... I'm surprised you can get on the phone at all because you are in the custodial care of a one-year-old. You know, you forget so easily. I promised myself I would never forget how hard it is to have a baby and also how fun it is to have a baby. We are having so much fun with a little 13-month-old that's just taking her first steps. Her parents have never left her for a day, and they have gone to Hawaii for nine days. So we are doing fine. I don't know if they are doing all right. <laughs> I'm sure they're just having a hard time with this, but we are loving it. I think they're going to have to undergo a little bit of a catharsis and miss her terribly and feel as though some bond has been eternally broken. And then after about two or three days on the beach, they're going to start just loving it. <laughs> and maybe you know come back. Yeah, and you know what? Little Anina, she's a beautiful little girl, and we are loving having her. But I'll tell you, we call it baby jail. Well, we didn't originate that term. A lot of people call it baby jail. But you, you shouldn't be in baby jail when you're in your 60s. But we are this week. But you know, the, the interesting thing, it kind of makes your whole life more vibrant, doesn't it, Linda? I mean, you just you just don't. You don't have any boredom whatsoever. You know what I mean? That's right. I sure do know what you mean, night and day. Um, she was up from about 3 to 4.30 day before yesterday, but now she slept pretty well. She didn't wait till 6 a.m. So it's a whole new world having a baby and just realizing that it's just a 24-7 job. And then some, and two things, though, I have to say before we go on, Richard. And one is that this sounds very silly to grandparents who live next door or in the, on the cul-de-sac with all their kids, and they have them all the time, and they're hardly ever without their grandchildren. So touche to you for doing that wonderful service, but also to parents that are just, you know, now you have to realize that this baby is a first child, and the mom is turning 40 next. Tuesday. So they just have been married for a couple of years and they are so thrilled with this little girl that it is hilarious to see them hover over her because, and our son is much younger, he's 34. It's a, a marriage made in heaven, absolutely perfect for each other, even though they their ages are different and you couldn't tell by looking at them that the ages were that different. But honestly, they are so funny because they waited for so long for this baby. So our instructions were just before we left, and I had a three-hour tutorial as to how to care for this baby and everything that needed to be done. And <laughs> then here's the Linda, dad... Here's Linda, who, here's Linda who raised nine kids being told in minutiae detail every single thing, every minute of the day. you got to know, and we love the mother, by the way. She's fabulous, but she is Swiss. And she runs her schedule kind of like a Swiss watch or a Swiss train or a Swiss clock. But uh, bless her heart, you know, it's a sweet little girl. And uh, here's the funny thing, Linda. By the time she gets home, Anina is going to 
have forgotten her and want to stay with us, A, because nine days is a really long time for a little kid, and B, because, let's be honest, we, well, at least I have more fun with her than probably her parents <laughs> do, because I always no, say no. yes, whatever she wants. That's that. The last part is true, but I'm sure that they have so much fun with her. They're having a ball. But honestly, this is so funny because I, I needed that tutorial because every child is different, Richard. You have to admit she needs her little true. comfort zone and all that. That's true. But then just before they left, our son, you know, had his arm around me. Said, "Mom, now just don't worry about any specifics or anything. Just we know that you know what you're doing and everything." But before you put her to bed, be sure that she has a bath, you have a prayer with her, you sing her a song, you kiss her on the cheek, tell her you love her, and then you must kiss each other to let her right. know that you love each other, which is what they yep. do every night. Can you imagine? <laughs> well, we did it. We did it last night. I must say I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> it was very funny. They take turns putting her to bed, but they be sure that every night she knows that they love each other. And uh, that's really wonderful. Now, let me pull back for a moment. Some of you parents listening may say, well, I'm sure glad I tuned in today. I get to hear all about the woes of having a grandchild for nine days. That doesn't relate to my everyday parenting. Well, here's here's a little observation. Um, You know, there are few cliches in the world that are more apt and more true than the one that says the grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence. And what I think is interesting and somewhat somewhat interesting in a negative way is that, you know, we spend so much of our time with kids when they're very, very small. And believe me, I remember this crystal clear with our own children. We spend so much time wishing they'd grow up. We spend so much time thinking, oh, my gosh, if... If only this one-year-old was a two-year-old and could actually walk and talk and tell me what's on her mind and explain why she's crying, and and we just wish they'd grow up another year, and then we wish they were a three-year-old, and then we wish they were a four-year-old, and so on. And guess what, parents, if you're still in that stage, then you get to the next stage, which is, oh, I wish she was still a one-year-old. She was so cute then, and I could just... You know, and now she's a teenager and I have no control. I mean, we, we spend so, there's such a danger for parents of all ages, really, to live either in the past or in the future. And the tragedy of that is that every day in parenting is precious if we learn to see it as such. And, and there are moments in every day, not, not all the time, not 24 hours a day, not even maybe an hour a day, but with Instagram and with cameras in our phones and so on, is that we can, if we put our mind to it, really sort of, not always, not emotionally, you can't always capture a moment fully, but you can sort of capture it and you can sort of focus your mind on how great it is now, today. And I just want to say that for all of us, regardless of our age, we need really, we really, really need to learn to capture the moment in parenting. And I think what... uh, the old saying, one more cliche, you'll hate it if I give you two in one show, but the one that really applies is yesterday is but a dream and tomorrow but a vision, but today well lived, and this is especially true with parenting, today well lived makes every yesterday a dream of joy and every tomorrow a vision of hope. So 
that's the message for me today. I won't say anything nearly that profound the rest of the half hour, Linda. Enjoy whatever stage your kids are at, and don't be wishing it was an earlier stage or a later stage or it'll pass you right by. Um, it's so true. It's so easy to do that because parenting is so hard from day one. And, and as you know, if you've heard us in the last few weeks, we just had a, a brand new little grandbaby in Washington, D.C., newborn infant. And those first few weeks are so hard, you know, and you think, oh, it would be so nice when she can just walk off on her own. And then just as you said, you look back and think, oh, I loved those first few days. It was heaven, purely heaven. Um, we have a daughter who is a wonderful photographer. She does it on the side for, and makes a lot of money doing it. But she said at one point, you know, I, she said, I was so discouraged with my parenting. And then I looked at a picture that I had on the refrigerator of a moment that was so joyful for me, really interacting, connecting with my child. And I thought that is the joy of photography because you have that moment captured forever. And even when you feel like, Life is hopeless and you're just a terrible parent. You can look back on those moments and the things that you did well. In fact, just today I was talking to a daughter a minute ago in Phoenix and she was saying um, that she her biggest problem in life, and, and she has Hashimoto's and she's trying to deal with that and so on, she said her biggest problem is I just can't get enough done in the day. And I said, honey, think about what you've done since this morning. She had to get a, a son to a volleyball tryout by 5 a.m. at the high school. Uh, she has another daughter trying out for the tennis team today. Um, she has stuff going on, homework, things, kids coming in and out. She had a piano teacher there do, doing two of her other kids. And honestly, it is so amazing that these mothers get to the end of the day and think, what have I done? Nothing. The laundry is still sitting there. And then you really look at what you've done, and it is quite amazing. So take a picture. This same daughter also yeah. has a picture of a laundry basket, just to remind herself of all those piles of laundry that seemed so horrible but at the, at the time. But then you look back and think, you know, that wasn't so bad. What I'm doing now is you know worse. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more, honey. And by the way, it's really nice to hear your voice. We haven't seen each other all day, and I'm on one phone and you're on another, and it's lovely to hear you. And I just want to add one more thing on that. Uh, I don't know how many of you listeners will relate to this, but in one way, I think a camera, if you're not careful, can almost work against you. Not really work against you, but almost make it too easy. You pull your phone out, you take a picture, you say, oh, I'm going to remember that moment, and then you never look at it again. What what, what I used to do, and I, I kind of miss this, I kind of um, feel glad I, I was parenting my small children before I had a phone in my pocket all the time that would take pictures, because what I used to do when I would have one of those moments, those really little golden moments where the child does something precocious or says that she loves you in a special way or just does something unbelievably cute and you're just warmed by it, you just feel such a joy in that moment. What I used to do is try to write a little three or four line poem about it, not something that I'd want other people to read or that I thought was particularly wonderful or poetic, but just to remind me of how I felt at that little moment. And I've looked back through some of those and they... They really are like a memory. I can, you know, they, they're indelible. You remember that particular moment that you tried to put into a poem. So let's be sure as parents or grandparents that we 
those little moments. And Linda, it's a good time for us saying that because, you know, we've had this little baby for a couple of days and we get her seven more and then she's going to go away for a while. So we'll take a break and go away ourselves and be back in a moment with the rest of Ayers on the Road. Here we are back again, and Linda, what were you thinking during that break? I bet I can read your mind. I'm sorry, but I was thinking about how adorable this child is. She just walked to me about 15 steps, which is the most she's ever taken. I'm so excited. Hey, is she right there right now, that little one-year-old? You better better put her on the on the show and let her say a word or two. It'll be your yeah, first I'm media sure she'll say hello. <laughs> I wish we had a picture of it. I wish we could send it to you. But anyway, those of you who have these little toodles know how fun they are. Fifteen steps, really. It's too bad this is BYU Radio and not BYU TV. Absolutely. In fact, I have been going back through the other thing I've been thinking about this afternoon. I've been going back through old photos. I'm trying to figure out how to get pictures out of iPhotos onto my hard drive. And uh, in the meantime, I've run onto so many old photos that I had totally forgotten about, including from 40 years back. And it is quite incredible what can be done with a camera. We just, honestly, I'm so glad you took as many pictures as you did because I had the dumbest camera in the world. And um, you at least had a slide camera, so we had some great memories. But now it's a whole different thing. It's an explosion. In fact, it's too much. I mean, really. 17,000 pictures on my on my machine from just like six years. That's quite amazing. You know what I what I do every night? I'll reveal a secret to you, listeners. I and it takes me sometimes as much as a half an hour. I just go through all my kids' blogs and all my kids' Instagram pictures for that day. And you'll confirm this, Linda. It takes. It takes a half an hour. Hey, I think I just heard Anina say a word or two. Yeah, she's here talking by me. Oh, let me say one other thing while you're addressing that little one-year-old. Um, let's talk a little about parenting babies for just a few minutes because... Well, wait a second. You just said that what you do every night and then you got interrupted. What do you do every night? Oh, oh, oh no. I think I, I think the listeners are... I said that I spent about a half an hour just catching up through looking at our kids' blogs and at their Instagram pictures it takes as much as a half an hour. And it's great. I mean, it's wonderful. I, it's my favorite time of the day because... They live far away, and I get to see what all those kids are doing. And if I can't stand it any longer, I can Skype them or do FaceTime. So talk about a great world to live in for remote grandparenting. This is the best. But then I was going to shift gears and because and, I have a feeling we've got millions and millions of parents out there listening who have one-year-olds. So I was going to talk a little more about parenting babies. All right, you go ahead because since you have so such vast experience from having four days with her full time, um, go right ahead. No, but see what it did is it brought back my. Well, let's <laughs> see. I've spent nine years as the parent of a one-year-old. See, that's the interesting thing. True, and, but it's been uh, about twenty-five years since you were a full-time parent. So, wait, I, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested. But having Anina has brought it all 
crashing back into my brain, you see. And I think, I think you know the key, and this is a funny thing to say. Rather than say there's a magical technique or there's a magical method of parenting that always works with one-year-olds or babies, there's something that really does always work. And the bottom line is it's observing that child and taking real genuine joy in the development of that baby. And once once you start doing that as a parent, what I think happens is you get so fascinated and you get, in a way, it's a funny thing because you, you begin to build a high regard, a high respect for this little dependent person that's living in your house because what you begin to realize is that little child is learning more in 10 minutes than you're learning in a week because he or she is at a developmental stage that's so incredibly rapid. Everything he sees, he's processing it. Everything he hears, he's processing it. Everything that happens becomes a little lesson in how to cope with the world. And I think parents who become, for want of a better word, somewhat fascinated by their little babies end up noticing the baby in ways that actually makes them a better parent of that little child. And and it also increases your respect for the little child and causes you to think of them not as a burden or, oh, boy, i got to change another diaper or, oh, my goodness, why won't she go to sleep? But you begin thinking instead about how they're processing information, how remarkably absorbent they are to their environment. And, and it re- really becomes fun just to be around them. You know, I think you're absolutely right. In fact, I have, I read something um, years ago that said a child learns half of what they know in life after, from the first, eight, first 18 months. And it's quite incredible. Like right now, Anina is chewing on my makeup bag. She's tasting it. She's just trying it out to see what oh, that tastes like. Oh, that's a good like. thing, Linda. Call yeah, I don't think her mother would approve of that, but... No, it's just the outside of the makeup bag. She can see stuff in there, so she's just tasting it to see what's inside. Um, She's touching it. She's handing it to me and then asking for it to be handed back. I mean, there are so many things that she's learned today just while I've watched her. She's gone through the wastebasket. She's tried to fit things into things that didn't fit, and then she tried something that did fit. It's just incredible what they use. I hope you get the drift of what I'm saying, listeners, that parents out there in Radio Land, it's, there is a correlation between how interested you are in your children and how fascinated you are by that phase of development that they're in. There's a correlation between that and how good a parent you are because kids who can, and believe me, they can feel the interest of a parent. They can feel the intrigue and the and the concern of a parent, and that makes them, it's sort of the corollary of giving an adult a compliment. If, you, if you're with an adult and you give him a genuine, honest compliment, the person feels good, he feels secure, he feels happy, he feels empowered to some degree by that compliment. And when you're dealing with a baby, the only way I can think of to, to compliment a, a baby that hasn't learned to speak or to understand language yet is to pay attention to them and and you can't fake attention i mean you have to actually get fascinated with the child and believe me that's not hard to do if you put your mind to it because 
they are fascinating. I mean, they are endlessly interesting. Even, I mean, the, well, part of being a deliberate parent is being sort of an analytical parent and saying to yourself, what's, what's she learning right now? What's she thinking right now? What, what's causing her to cry right now? What's causing her to be content right now? What, what is happening in her brain? What is happening in her physiology? And you don't always know the answer, but just asking the questions sort of tunes you in to that little kid and kind of connects your spirit to their spirit. spirit. Does that make sense? It does. I love that. I'm just sitting here watching right now. I did go through all the garbage, make sure there's nothing harmful to her in there, but she's going through it again. She's got two boxes out and just learning. She's got a glass case in one hand, which was not in the garbage. She can find things that are unbelievable. I can't believe what this child can find. We went through the whole house and thought we had it totally childproof. And then just as a little amen on this, on what good grandparents we are. We, um, I set a bottle, uh, uh, a thing of Roundup at the top of the stairs and forgot to put it away before she came. I took it out purposely to put it away before she came. So anyway, it was uh, kind of a disaster because, you know, uh, that's not a really good tasty meal for a one-year-old. Well, we got to she call doesn't... poison control again. That's always fun to do. Yeah, I we mean, got a really, we got a very reassuring woman on poison control, by the way, this time, and she said, "Ah, oh, don't worry about it. That's a very diluted product, and the worst thing that can happen is they could make a bad face and spit it out." I thought, "Wow, you're the most laid-back poison control person I've ever heard. I've, I've called poison control a lot of times in my life, and." Well, you hate for it to hear them for him to say, get that child to the emergency care right now. And, you know, luckily this person was like, ah, don't worry about it. That's she probably uh, just not very tasty. <laughs> she didn't drink any. But this, I didn't tell you this, Linda. She actually said the poison control lady said, even if she took a drink of it, it wouldn't probably hurt her much. She might get a little nauseous. <laughs> and I thought, Wow. I'm, can oh. I get your name? I'm going to call you every time I have a problem. Yeah, well, man, not, where was actually. that woman when we needed her? <laughs> oh, right. gosh. Anyway, we have had so much fun with this little girl, and it does renew our faith in realizing how important these little people are and how much they learn in one week. It's quite amazing. Now, you know, um, it's getting to be an interesting time of the year for you parents. I've been thinking about the the month of February and the idea that it's sort of the doldrums of winter winter for some depending on what part of the country you live in and it's it's sort of the you know beginning of the second half of the school year actually it's it's a little more than that for some who start now so early and and uh end school so uh so early but it's it's a time that a lot of parents describe as kind of the doldrums. It's sort of the the boring part of the year, and it's a hard time to get yourself up for all the school and other things you're trying to tend to as a parent. But it's also, I think, a really, really wonderful time to sort of do a mid-year assessment. I mean... We always used to set our goals and still do to a large degree, not not by the year, not by the calendar year, but by the school year because that's just what makes sense when you've got kids at home is trying to 
set your parenting goals and help kids set their achievement goals based on the, the academic year. And what I'm leading up to is now, right about now, is a really good midpoint to sit down together as parents if you're lucky enough to be a two-parent family or if you're a single parent, maybe with a grandparent or someone, and have a little assessment some evening. How are we doing? How are our kids doing? How How is our family going right now? Where do we need some emphasis and some effort? I just love that kind of thinking for parents because it's proactive rather than reactive. You're not just waiting for the next shoe to drop or the next problem to come here. You're being deliberate, and that's your word, Linda, so I'll throw it back to you. But being a deliberate parent at this mid-year, midpoint of the school year is very important. And from day one. Now, uh, Anina is handing me one little calcium chew at a time. There's 180 in this package. And she's handing them to me. So I'm having fun. I hope you are. Have a great week, and we'll be talking to you again very soon.